Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 78. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Dash. He is the CEO and founder of Credible. Now, Credible are what is called a multi-lender marketplace, and we'll describe what that is exactly in a few minutes. I wanted to get Stephen on the show because I think it's he's got an interesting model. No one really is doing what he's doing, and he's basically creating an intermediary between the borrower and the lending platforms that really provides you know not just a comparison shopping, but a a really rich informative experience for the borrower and he's really developed this unique company over the last few years and wanted to get him on the show to talk about how his company works, why he decided to focus on student loans, talk about the experience he's had with that and then adding personal loans into the mix. So it was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, Peter. So, you know, this is you, you actually have the distinct honor of being the first Aussie that I've actually ever interviewed on the podcast. This is like 77 or 78 podcasts in, and uh, you're, you're my first Aussie, which uh, I, I enjoy obviously uh, talking to somebody who sounds like me. Um, but let's get started with a bit of a, a background about yourself and, and how you actually how you came to the USA. Yeah. Yeah. So th- thanks very much for having me on the show. I'm glad I'm the first Australian. Have you had any New Zealanders on the show? <laughs> no, no New Zealanders yet either. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah, I moved out to the US in 2012 and sort of in the 10 years before before the move, I worked in in the financial institutions team at, at JP Morgan and that was at a time pre, during and post financial crisis. So, ended up seeing a lot of stuff there and following JP Morgan, I was in a in a in a Australian private equity slash venture venture capital fund where I ended up leading a lot of the the fintech investments for that fund. So that sort of those two experiences kind of gave me pretty interesting exposure to both sides of the market out in Australia. And really the catalyst for me finding my way to the US was I saw an opportunity so, sort of like a tectonic shift is how I describe it in the in the U.S. consumer financial services market, which which ultimately led me to the student loan category. But if I sort of reflect on the themes that were playing out at the time, it was sort of the big one was in a comparable sense the the immaturity of the intermediated you know consumer finance market in the U.S. When I compare that to my experiences at J.P. Morgan in Australia, you know the Australian market more generally, but then other developed countries like the UK and Canada and New Zealand, South Africa, where those like similar countries to the US had these much more developed, much more mature, intermediated marketplaces. And I think the best example is, you know, in Australia, 50 to 55%, historically anyway, of mortgages are originated through these, you know, independent sort of consumer friendly intermediaries and and not necessarily through the ultimate product provider. So that, that model was really interesting to me and really kicked off my interest in the U.S. space. And then, of course, the rise of the alternate lenders in the U.S. at the time through the P2P platforms was sort of the other side, which I said, well, there's going to be more competition coming into this market. 
this, this sort of concept of fintech is really happening. The U.S. is a market that's 25 times bigger than Australia, and so I, I, uh, I, t- I took the plunge and, and, and moved over in, in 2012. So then did you move over with the express idea of, st- of starting up or focusing on student loans first? I mean, was that, was that the biggest problem that you felt like there was to tackle? So the first stage was identifying that there was an opportunity in the in the consumer finance category. The second stage was, you know, which specific category would I go after? And so really it was it was a pretty simple filtering process where I said, you know, where are people getting ripped off the most? What's what's the most confusing area? That's a you know, if I think about why these other models in other countries were successful. It's taking, it's taking something that's really confusing, that's not traditionally consumer friendly and, and sort of looking at that. So what, what popped out to me was the student loan category. And then the icing on the cake was the fact that if you think about how valuable acquiring a customer in this sort of first major financial decision, how valuable that is, that was sort of the icing on the cake. And that's why we you know, in the early days, focused really on on that market. And of course, it developed a lot since 2012. You know, when Credible was founded, there was really only one or two lenders that were even thinking about this, this refi space. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of early. And there are a lot of people saying that's not a, that's not a great category to go into because of all the headlines you read about student loans. But I saw it as like the perfect entry point because it was so confusing. And there was so much misinformation around the, the student loan category. Right, right. And clearly, it's when you go to your you go to your website, you you present your uh, with the website visitor. Student loan refinancing is still the, is the core piece. So, just for the for the listeners who don't know about you, can you explain exactly what Credible does? What what are you actually what are you trying to solve here? Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's, it's it's bigger than just the student loan category. I mean, we sort of think about it as the problem we're trying to solve is that consumers don't make optimal decisions when it comes to financial services products. And there's two things that really drive that. They don't have full information. There's not that level of transparency. And frankly, they, you know, most people have better things to do. They don't want to deal with it, right? So to me, that's two things. That's creating transparency or clarity, and then it's making the process really easy. So we've We've focused first on student loans and student loan refi, so student loan origination and student loan refi, and we've come at it with a business model that is different to a traditional lender's loan acquisition model or an alternate lender's acquisition model. We we describe ourselves as a multi-lender marketplace. So in, in the true sense of a marketplace definition, we display offers from multiple different lending partners who have their own brands and are in the market with their own products. So think of us more like a Kayak or Expedia type experience for student loan, student loan refi, and now also the personal loan category as well. So I just, just on that, I want to clarify, because obviously everyone knows about LendingTree. Um, they're a major, they're a public company. They're, they're a pretty big player. There's ads have been on TV. I, how are you different to LendingTree? Yeah, and I'd throw, you know, I'd throw Credit Karma and yep. I'd throw Nerd Wallet and Bankrate and, you know, probably another 150 lead gen sites into that category as well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and, and so really how we think about it is I sort of think about the value chain, right? You've got you've got lead gen and what is lead gen providing? It's providing a click, if you like. So, you know, you're being qualified in some way 
and then you're being sold as a click to a lender who then has to originate you, right? We sit in between that. So we'll take a click and turn it into a customer. So we're really the fulfillment part of the value chain. And of course, we have our own consumer facing brand as well. But that's where we sit in the value chain. Now, what that means for a customer and sort of one of the key product elements that I want to talk about quickly, which really differentiates us, is our our product that we call Lender Express that we launched about 12 months ago. What Lender Express does, and you can contrast this with all of those sites that, that I just mentioned, is that we provide a borrower in real time with a personalized rate without impacting their credit score and without sharing their data with the lending partner. So we're able to do that because we've built deep integrations with our lending partners. And we've also built integration with all three credit bureaus. So from a consumer's perspective, you, you, you imagine going to a site, putting in eight pieces of information that takes you 30 seconds, clicking that you've consented for a soft credit pool and you've consented for us to run our engine in the background. And we do that and display in real time personalized offers of credit from multiple different lenders for multiple different products. So the comparison I like to draw is, you know, if you think about a lead gen site in the travel industry, it would be the comparison here would be like going onto a site and, and, and looking for a ticket from SFO to JFK and someone coming back and saying, Hey, you can fly there for between 200 and $600. It's not a personalized experience, right? Right, right? Whereas what we're doing is we're saying, hey, it's going to cost you 300 bucks, and you're going to leave at this time and arrive at this time. It's, it's, it's a personalized experience, which is really hard to do in this category compared to the travel industry, right? Because it's, it's yeah. obviously based on someone's credit profile. Sure. So which, which I, want, I want to dig into that for a little bit. Let's Can we just talk about your, your actual application process and what's going on there? Because... It sounds like you, you've got deep integrations, you said, with your lending partners. You really must have their underwriting model, basically. If you're going to provide a, a price that you're providing a price, then you're going to pass on. Obviously, the consumer is going to want to get that price when it's moved, when it's passed on to one of your lending partners. So, so tell us exactly how it works and how, how you've done this integration. Yeah, so it, it really depends on the lending partner for you know in terms of exactly how we do integrate with them. In some cases, yes, we house a replica of their pre-qualification model on our system, and that is not something that lenders want to give away lightly, right? I can and, imagine. Yes, that's a hard we, sell to get that. Right, and and. You know, there's, there's benefits to doing it, of course. The, the experience for the consumer is much better. Our pull-through rates are market-leading. You know, we're, we're a trusted partner of, you know, we've been working with these guys for three, four uh, years, and, and we've demonstrated that we can really drive, really as our own channel, drive a ton of volume to, to our partners. So it takes a level of trust, which, you know, is a big part of what we do on both sides of the market to be able to to deliver such a such an awesome product to, to the customers out there. So some of the integrations are like that. Some of the integrations are APIs where we have, you know, very specific requirements on both sides to ensure that this experience is maintained where, you know, where a borrower doesn't come to our site and then get phone calls from 15 different lenders. We, we don't think that's a good experience. And so mm-hmm. we've really tried to develop a product that puts the consumer at the center and, and builds, you know, this technology solution around that consumer. Right. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's, 
it's not something that others um, have replicated. It was not an easy thing to do. And it's a function of, you know, adding a lot of value for our lending partners, but also our lending partners being aligned with us in terms of what the right customer experience is. And I think we're seeing with a lot of the forward thinking lenders that they understand that this is where the world is going. It's going to a place where consumers can easily access this type of information. And, you know, you look at the UK, they've got open APIs for, you know, mandated open APIs for switching checking account, the equivalent of a checking account, right? So the world is going that way. And it's the forward thinking lenders who are partnering with us and, you know, really investing early on in in this sort of evolution that are really starting to to re, you know receive dividends. Yeah, so I imagine with 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 the wealth of data that you have, you're going to have a very high approval rate when once you once you actually send it off to the lender. Uh, as you, I mean, I imagine I don't know whether you're allowed to sh- whether you can share, but I imagine the, the approval rates are, are so much higher than it would be with one of the other just lead gen sites. Yeah, I mean, I can't share the specifics, but we're talking. You know, you're pretty much going to get the rate that you that we display as a pre qual offer, unless. There's some additional information that a lender requires that it, you know, that is is sort of different to what you had already disclosed. So yeah, we have you know really really high approval rates. We have really really high pull through rates. And if you even if you take a like for like kind of new user to close loan compared to some of the lead gen sites that exist, because we're spending so much effort, time, and and we're really helping a borrower minimize friction in that experience, we're, we're a multiple of conversion that a typical lead gen site would achieve if they were to partner directly with, with various different lenders because it's right. just a totally different experience. Yep, yep, sure. So I just want to talk about the, the student loan refinancing for a bit because it sounds like it's still a big big part of your business. Like, do you, how does it work? Do you, do you work with undergraduates? Do you work with graduates? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so one of the... I guess, key advantages of our business model, um, because we work with so many diverse sources of capital, so many diverse lenders from, you know, traditional banks to, you know, regional banks and community banks to, you know, some of the alternate lenders, we have a, we have by definition, really the broadest underwriting set in the market, because we're basically, you know, we're, we're taking the best of all of these different, different lenders who are going after different segments. So what that means is that we offer products to, undergrads to grads to parents on the refi side. So if you have a parent plus loan or if if you're a co-signer of a student loan, you're able to get offers through our platform. And recently we were actually featured on NBC Nightly News where one of our borrowers was a mother of a a student who had recently graduated. She refinanced $50,000 in parent plus loans that she took out for her daughter and, you know, reduced her interest rate from seven or eight percent to I think it was four and a half percent saving, you know, ten or twelve thousand dollars over the life of the loan. So it's a it's a very broad set. Uh, technically, our product goes down to a six twenty credit score if a borrower has a co-signer on the refi side, mm-hmm. and we and we offer you know five, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty year products, both fixed and variable. You know, five thousand to five hundred thousand dollar loans on the refi side. Yeah, so it's it's really broad on the in school side. You know, similar. We have a five, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty-year product, a thousand dollars to a hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and that's for a you know that's for a medical student on the on the in-school side. 
and you know, in terms of interest rates on the in-school product, they start at 2.31% variable, 3.74% fixed. And of course, you've got all the variations of the in-school product. So you can, you know, you can defer payments, interest only, you can pay a flat payment while you're in school, or you can start paying back principal and interest straight up. So there's a, there is a lot of complexity around that product. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're sort of in the business of obviously making that really easy for a customer to, to choose between those different products and then ultimately, you know, get get the loan product and right. help them through that process. Right. So can you share who are some of the lenders you're working with today? You mentioned banks. You mentioned the, you know, the alternative lenders. What Can you give us some names of who you're working with? Yeah. So, so we work across the, the spectrum, in ter- and I sort of just mentioned the, the various categories of lenders that we work with. And what we really care about is we care about having a representative set of products for the lenders that exist in the market. So, you know, back to the travel example, you don't, there's no use in having, you know, kayaks not super useful if they, if they don't have, you know, the flights that go from, you know, choose a different city, LAX to Houston. If you can't get those flights, that's not helpful. So we want to make sure we cover all those flights, so to speak, and cover all the different pockets within the within the, the industry. So yeah, we work with College Ave, we work with Citizens Bank, we work with Common Bond, we work with some of the state-based student loan authorities like Risla, which is the Rhode Island Student Loan Authority, MIFA, the Massachusetts Education Finance Authority, the New Hampshire Education Finance Authority called Edvest in You. We work with some of the sort of community banks like iHealth and Grad School Loans, which are the brands of some of the community banks. So a broad spectrum of different lenders where, you know, some of the alternate lenders go after, you know, some of the alternate lenders like College Ave and Common Bond go after different segments to some of the traditional lenders like a Citizens Bank. And then, of course, some of the regional based lenders can offer competitive products you know, across the country, but uh, in some cases specifically within their sort of region, they're able to offer better products. So, uh, yeah, I, I see a, a real thematic playing out with some of the traditional lenders starting to get into the space and starting to be more aggressive and starting to have really competitive products with their deposit. You know, funding base gives them a, a big advantage right now. And then I also see the student loan authorities from a state-based perspective starting to be more aggressive and they have the benefit of tax-exempt bond financing in certain circumstances. So they have also a, a bit of a leg up on some of the, in, in some circumstances, on, on uh, the cost of capital side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I mean, you didn't mention uh, Sally May, and I know that you recently uh, signed uh, a deal with them. Can you just tell us a little bit about, about that? Sure. Yeah. So I was referring to the lenders on the refi side. On the in-school side, yes, Sally May is one worth talking about. For those who are listening who don't know, Sally May sits on about a 50% market share of new student loans that are originated each year. And so that's, you know, around $10 billion, roughly speaking, of new private student loans are originated each year. And, you know, typically private student loans are used to fund the gap between what a student can take out with federal loans and what the cost of tuition is. And so, you know, it's it's about 10% of new student loans that are originated each year fall in this private student loan category. And, and as I say, Sally May sits on 50% of the market. So yeah, we signed a partnership with Sally May in summer this year. And the in-school business is an interesting one because it's very seasonal. You know, you have 80% of originations happen between June and really the end of September. And then there's sort of what they call a mini peak season in around the holiday time. 
So yeah, we partnered with Sally May. It's obviously significant to have you know such a such a major lender in the category on the platform. And the way these partnerships typically work when we onboard a new a new partner is there's there's a big hurdle to get over to start with in terms of hey, do we want to be on this platform? And then the second hurdle is you know getting the lender integrated and there's various levels of integration in terms of having those offers displayed on the on the platform for the borrower. Yeah, and so I just I'm curious about you know how it works once the loan has you know once the borrower has been passed on, whether it's common bond or, or citizens or, or or what have you. I mean, they own the customer, right? I mean, what where is sort of where do you end and they and they begin, or, or do you guys both co-own the customer? Yeah, so I have a maybe a I have a perspective on this, and I'm sure not all people will agree with this perspective. But but my perspective on customer ownership is that that the whole concept of customer ownership is 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 changing. I think Silicon Valley, in terms of investments that are being made and focus on customer ownership, I, I think that I, I think, and just my opinion, that some people place too much emphasis on this concept of you know customer ownership and. And the reality, I think, is that cross-selling, because obviously customer ownership, people think equals more cross-sell, equals lifetime value, equals I can pay more for customers. Yeah. And I sort of think the reality of it is that the cross-selling financial services products is really, really difficult. Um, and you can look at you can look at every you know Bain Consulting or McKinsey report out there that talks about you know USAA doing a really good job of it. You know, we're not talking massive numbers there, right? So. Cross-sell as a general concept, I think, is really, really hard. And I think the market's going through a significant shift right now in terms of how a product provider, you know, how that relationship or how the durability of that relationship is sustained in the world that we live in now where, you know, physical branches and personal relationships are gone in turn or, you know, they're, they're much less relevant for a millennial audience when the proliferation of data is very much in existence today where a consumer really owns their data. That lender does not own their data themselves like Yodely and Plaid and Intuit exist and the credit bureaus exist and make that data more accessible to both the individual but also to you know other potential players in the market. And of course, technology has made the process of switching product providers so easy. So that's a long-winded way of me saying that you know, I, I don't think there is, I think this assumption of a durable customer relationship, which equals cross-sell, which equals long-term value for a product provider is necessarily still there. So, and the short answer to your question is, I think we both own the customer. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that's that's what I thought. So, but speaking of cross-sell, or, or maybe not, but I, you, you have uh, personal loans now. I know you, you launched that, uh, I think it was about a year ago or whatever, but you why did you decide to go into personal loans? Is this is it a cross-sell opportunity or is it just a new market for you? Yeah, so I guess there's, there's kind of two things we care about when we think about new products. And I, and I will say that our personal loans marketplace is still, even though we launched it, it, it technically launched, yeah, about 12 months ago or a little less than 12 months ago. Obviously, there have been some challenges in 2016 with, you know, with some of the personal loan lenders in, in the market as far as, you know, uh, access to capital, etc. So we made a decision earlier in the year to really just focus on the student loan business for 2016. So mm -hmm. personal loans is still like a really small part of our business. I expect over the course of the next sort of six to 12 months that will change. And, but but to step back into why we 
got into the category. Yes, so my thesis on the idea of a of customer ownership sh- changing and shifting sort of lands, and this is maybe a little self-serving, but lands, in my view, at you're more likely as a millennial to have a relationship with a non-product provider who can help you make decisions. And again, going back to the travel industry, look at the rise of Priceline that has a market cap that's, you know, that's the sum of Delta and United <laughs> right. and American Airlines and JetBlue because they've managed to, to build this, this customer relationship, the durability of that relationship. And that exists in pretty much every other country in the world except the US right now. And I think that is changing. That that intermediary, that non-product provider is starting to, you know, really play a powerful role in, in the sort of customer relationship side of things. So we, we do think we have, in theory at least, a better opportunity for cross-sell because we're not a product provider. You know, we're not trying to sell our own products. So yeah, people will certainly disagree with me, but that's how we, we sort of think about it. And when I think about personal loans, it's both a new acquisition channel. So if we acquire someone through that platform, we have an opportunity to potentially cross-sell a student loan or a, a student loan refi. But it's also a, a supplement to our existing audience of you know roughly 350,000 users who created profiles on our platform where you know they most of them have credit cards. Most of them will make a major purchase at some point um, in the next, you know, in the next couple of years. There's a there's an opportunity there for offering that product again from multiple lenders to those individuals. Okay, so so I, I get the whole thing around uh, the pullback in personal loan lending. I mean, I think 2016 will be the first year that as a as an industry consumer loans. Uh, you know, originated online, you know, probably be less than in 2015, at least at the major platforms anyway. So, but is, is this, I mean, do you see yourself then as sort of the, the kind of, you know, you are the intermediary that will do, you'll do personal loans, you'll do car loans, you'll do credit cards, home loans. Is this, is that sort of what you're thinking? Well, I, I think there's a couple of different ways to think about this, but when I think about who is our customer, the majority of our customers are millennials in the true sense where they're you know, 18 to 35 years of age, right? And they're either students or they're young professionals. So I think the more likely categories are the the products that those individuals would want. So yeah, you can think you know, credit cards, personal loans, potentially auto loans, insurance products, renters insurance, auto insurance, those types of products that these individuals would look at. I think over time, you know, mortgages and wealth management and, and those kinds of products become more interesting, but right now probably less of a focus for us. I, I think about where do we sit in the value chain as being really important in this discussion. So we've partnered with over 100 organizations, be it professional groups, alumni associations, lead gen sites, where we're powering that click to close experience. So once someone's become a lead or is in within a, a membership base of one of these organizations, taking them through to the to the close loan or close to the close loan uh, part of that equation is where we really are focused. So we're really focused on being that intelligence layer that sits in, in between and and you know powers some of these lead gen sites and powers some of these these other organizations offerings. And so, yeah, I think I think we're really focused on that conversion element, which you know, 
a lot of the lead gen guys are not focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's, you know, it's not a straightforward process at all. It's sort of a different core competency. But yeah, that's how I see it playing out. And I do see us offering other products over time, you know, really based on what our, what our customer base is demanding or needs. Interesting, interesting. So, so then who do you see as your main competitors? Because I don't see anyone doing quite what you're doing. So who are they? Yeah, that's right. As far as a, from a product perspective, no one's doing exactly what we're doing. You know, you've got the lead gen category where, you know, we will compete with both the lead gen category and lenders, right? On both, so both sides of the marketplace will compete on keywords and SEO rankings and, uh, and search rankings and will compete in that world. Our competitors, when it comes to like social acquisition channels, we're competing with any brand, right? That's trying to target this highly valuable millennial audience mm-hmm. um, when I think about advertising on you know on, on social networks on Facebook and then we've got our proprietary channel where we've partnered you know in most cases exclusively with these associations and loyalty products so we power the student loan platform for United Airlines mileage plus exclusively so we have we have this exclusive channel as well where we're acquiring customers through throughout through our network of partners so no one's doing exactly what we're doing, but we do compete with, you know, really anyone who's in the student loan category who's going after the same customer. You, you, you are competing, but we live in a world where, you know, that sort of open marketplace and open competition for customers is, I think, is inevitable as these market, these intermediated markets mature. Right, right. Well, I'm just, we're just about out of time, but before you go, you, you mentioned many different plays you can take your business. I mean, what are you, as you look to 2017, what's going to be, what's going to be your focus for the next 12 months? I think even beyond the next 12 months, I think we're always going to focus on the customer experience. So anything we can do to make it easier to get someone from a click to a closed loan, so, you know, providing tools and resources and data-driven insights because we obviously sit in a unique spot where we have kind of access to both sides of the market and we can be really helpful to people in terms of this kind of intelligence engine and creating this seamless experience around these decisions. I think you can expect a handful of new large partnerships, most likely in the in the lead gen space, where you know we're basically providing the conversion component to their you know their borrowers experience um, so I think you can expect a couple of those and I think we will look at new product verticals we're sort of we're thinking about the right way to do some of these other product verticals and which is the right category to get into next we haven't made any firm decisions but I would expect that we will start to think about other categories and yeah we'll, we'll keep growing so you know we have plans to grow the team by at least 50 percent over the course of 2017 probably a little more than that. So we're, you know, we're, we're really bullish on where we sit in the, in the market growth we've experienced over the last 12 months and, you know, where our real opportunities are to, to make a really meaningful difference in the way consumers, you know, think about and make decisions and transact when it comes to, you know, consumer financial services products. Well, that's fascinating. I, I really uh, will have to leave it there, but I wish you the best of luck and thanks for coming on the show, Stephen. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. So the thing that struck me most in this interview was this whole idea of using lending as a starting point. 
Now we've seen it with SoFi, we've seen it with other companies as well, where you basically start off with one vertical. I mean, SoFi is going to wealth management, they're going to insurance. You know, it, it really does seem to me that lending, while lending is, is one of the biggest verticals there is in financial services, you know, lending is also a great launching pad to offer other kinds of services to consumers. So it'll be interesting to see whether this this trend will continue. I expect it will. I think we're going to see more and more of, of companies that have focused on lending branching out into other areas of fintech. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye.